What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Quiz. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. (laughs) Have you ever tried DMT? (laughs) (laughs) And of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the You know what? (laughs) (laughs) It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? (laughs) Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hard on pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips. Now it's time for SPT. We are live from the University of Akron, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. And I am contractually obligated to say the best sports talk show there is, the best sports talk show there was, and the best sports talk show there will ever be. My name is Matt Bermuga. I am your host today. I am in for Logan Congrove as he was celebrating his 21st birthday, and I'll let you all assume the rest. (laughs) But we have a great show planned for you today. As always, I'm joined by two wonderful co-hosts. To my left, he is, well, he's not a newer member anymore. He's made his, he's, you can hear his voice pretty much everywhere on this. It's Mitch Bates. Yep. How's it going, everyone? Mitch, you know, you're, uh, funny story, man. You have your Xbox uh, headphones and microphone today. I felt like it was uh, time to switch it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you told me pre-show you were uh, arguing with a bunch of, uh, you know, children on Instagram over the Imani Bates thing, and I think the uh, Xbox headset really encapsulates that really so matches i matches the vibe there. absolutely love it and you know what two two mitches left and to my right alex henry does the best intro for her and i'm gonna do my best to try to even be comparable boom boom pow it's lana sow Hello, hello. How'd I do? How'd I do? You did pretty good. Okay, what like <laughs> could you rank me with like the other hosts? We could like you know, between like Alex Logan and Jake, where'd that rank? Um a little bit better than Jake. Okay, so still third. <laughs> all right, all right. That's hey, that's fine. Not last. Not last, but uh let's see. <laughs> let's get right into it. First let's let's tell everyone what we have planned today. Uh the last hour. It's going to be entirely NBA talk. We have the NBA draft, NBA trades galore. Absolute, absolutely chaotic across the National Basketball Association. Around 1130, we're going to get into some, some Cleveland Guardians talk. But right off the rip, we're going to do my favorite sport, the National Football League. And we are going to take a quick trip down I-90 to Buffalo, New York as... They're having some uh, they're having some issues there. Some issues. Let's get right into it in case none of you have heard Stefan Diggs did not show for day one of the Bills mandatory minicamp. Now, uh, Coach Sean McDermott 
went to the podium afterwards and said he was, quote-unquote, very concerned in, uh, of Diggs' absence. Uh, but it turns out Stefan Diggs was there for day one, had his physical, just did not practice and failed to inform the team. Uh, Diggs showed up for the rest of minicamp, however. I need I want to ask both of you right now. Do you think there's any cause for concern in Buffalo, especially with Stefan Diggs? You know, he after their playoff loss to Cincinnati, he just left the stadium, did not talk to a single reporter, took his pads off, left. So, you know, what do you guys make of the whole Stefan Diggs situation in Buffalo? Um, I'd maybe be a little bit worried um, for Buffalo fans. Um, however, we'll talk about a little bit later Josh Allen. Um, he reportedly said in his press conference post-practice on June 13th via Twitter from Sal Capacio, who is the Bills beat and sideline reporter, quoted Josh Allen referring to his relationship with Stefan Diggs as saying, quote, unquote, I know internally we are working on some things not football related. Steph is my guy. I effing love him. So I think they're just working out some things. But um, other than that, uh, I I would be a little bit worried, but hopefully they're going to figure it out and be okay. Mitch, anything from you on the whole Stephon Diggs deal with, uh, with the Bills? Yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned. It sounds like a little bit of a communication issue between Diggs and the team, more so than having to do with Coach or Josh Allen. But I also think that playing football fixes everything. So I think once the season gets going and they start to get some reps together and they start to win some games, I think that will definitely prove this to be not that big of a deal. You know, I I can agree with that. I think this year is a really, really make or break for Buffalo. I mean, you know, they've been so close, but yet have not gotten past the Chiefs. or Even uh, last year, they can't even get past the Bengals. Uh, so, you know, this is, you know, all pressures on them for this year. And so, you know, I do you think the pressure could be getting to them, either Diggs or Allen? you think there could be a potential rift between those two, especially like given uh, this recent situation and how they ended last season? I think Allen and I don't I don't like saying anything bad about Josh Allen, but I feel like once the playoffs come, he tends to be a different quarterback. And I don't yeah. know if that is the pressure or if it's. Well, he, he had quite literally the most perfect game a quarterback could ever play against Patrick Mahomes what, la- two, two seasons ago at this point. Uh, but, yeah, no, against Cincinnati, he, he, he crumbled. Yeah. He crumbled. Was... And even, uh, even the uh, 2020 year, he wasn't that good of a playoff performer either. But Yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's a cause for concern for fans but i think that you're right that this is a prove yourself season they've been talking about the buffalo bills being super bowl contenders for years now i think it's time to actually put that together yeah i totally agree lana anything from you yeah um just to feel like uh between josh and stefan Diggs, just like any other relationship there's like ups and downs so they're they're gonna figure it out um uh once they navigate some things and uh hopefully this will be the year that they make a deeper push into the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, we're going to stick with Buffalo for this next headline. The Bills extended head coach Sean McDermott and G, uh, general manager Brandon Bean uh, through 2027. So first off, was it the right move? I'll pose that question to you two. I think it was a good move, personally. Mm-hmm. I like McDermott for the Bills. I think he has switched that culture around entirely because a lot of people forget that not that long ago, there was a time where the Buffalo Bills just had the crazy fan base and the Tyrod Taylor 
Yeah, the, the, Ty- the Tyrod Taylor miracle year. Ryan <laughs> Fitzpatrick was their perennial quarterback. That was not that long ago either. Yeah, and I'll, I'll never forget the Browns hired Hugh Jackson over <laughs> Sean McDermott. Yeah, that I was, was I was sitting in my seventh grade health class when I got the news we hired Hugh Jackson, and I was I was not happy. That turned out great, didn't it? So, so, so great. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sorry, Laura, anything from you? <laughs> yeah, um, I think it was it was the move that they're trying to let everyone know that they're trying to keep their core of a coach and general manager uh, for the Bills Mafia, right? So um, they didn't make it to the playoffs last season. So um, I think trying to keep your core for a coach and GM to expand on is a good move. Yeah, I mean... I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little different here. I I don't think that was a good move at all. I think Sean McDermott's voice is really starting to sour in Buffalo. They lost DC Leslie Frazier this off season, and a lot of reports. Uh, Greg Cassell on the Pat McAfee show attributed Sean McDermott's desire to call defensive plays as the reason for his de- as for uh, Frazier's departure. That McDermott wants. Uh, more autonomy in defensive play calling, and that was kind of you know kind of crossed a line he and Leslie Frazier established. And so I, you know, even like Bills fans, I try to follow a lot of them on Twitter. They're not too thrilled with Sean McDermott currently. So I think they did this about a year too early, especially if they have another early playoff exit, wild card, or divisional round. I think this move's going to look really, really bad in hindsight. Maybe around February of next year. Yeah, that's a fair look on it. I I look at it as this is the guy who helped you turn things around. This is the guy who you know has the potential to take you all the way, but mm-hmm. I do agree that I think his voice needs to be way more heard, and he's not exactly like a coach that you hear the players raving about. In yeah, he seems a lot more like, I, I don't want to say like Stefanski-ish, but a lot more like even-keeled, but I think he's a lot more like... It t- tougher. I don't know how to right. say. Like, am I like, am I making sense that he's like level-headed, but like, a little like you don't want to cross cross him too much because like he might snap back at you. And strict. Yeah, laid back and strict. Yeah, yeah. He seems like he would snap at you, and that would not be fun. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, I don't know. I enjoy the move as of right now, but obviously, if the Bills were to lose in, let's say, the wild card or divisional round or miss the playoffs completely, then the move turns into a disaster. And could you imagine like how different this would be if they lost to Miami <laughs> with Skylar Thompson? Like People forget how close that game was. <laughs> that was so like, bad. If Miami had Tua, even like that, that was a completely different game. Man. Buffalo played terrible. Josh Allen played terrible. And Mike McDaniel as he was ripping his jewel on the sideline, almost made Skylar Thompson a playoff-winning quarterback. Yeah. Skylar Thompson being the quarterback in that game blessed them. That was yes. their blessing. And then, you know, they got absolutely humiliated the next week by Joe Burr. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway, so I want to ask you guys one, uh, one more question about Buffalo. How do you guys see their season outlook going, especially compared with that AFC East that just seems to be getting more and more talented with uh you know bill o'brien going to the patriots and obviously aaron Rodgers going to the jets and the dolphins continuing to get better i think it's going to be tough i i do think that they will be successful this year i think they will make the playoffs and honestly i still think they're the best team in that division 
despite the Jets getting Rodgers and all the big moves that Miami's making. And I think Miami could definitely push for the one seed in that division too, but I think Buffalo's got it if they if Josh Allen starts to put it together with Stephon Diggs because that's the most important part for their offense. Well, that I mean, that is their offense. Like if you take out Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis would be your wide receiver one. Like your passing options would be Gabe Davis, Dalton Kincaid, and uh, and uh, Dawson Knox. Yeah, uh, that doesn't spell success in the National Football League. Not at all, but they I actually enjoy their running back room as opposed to what a lot of people well, say. But Josh Allen's their running game. They don't have a running back room. It's kind of just Josh Allen, put your head down and go run over this linebacker. You're 6'5", a million <laughs> pounds. Just just be you. I think they need to establish a running game, if we're being honest. Oh, completely. They pass the ball yeah. all the time. They never run the ball. Josh Allen is their team. Like, <laughs> and that's not how it should be. No, not at all, no. Right, I think if you run Damian Harris enough and you run James Cook enough and then you establish an actual running game so teams aren't playing the pass every single down, that could lead to some success. Yeah, that makes too much sense. That make, <laughs> that make too much sense. Why would an NFL team do it make sense when you can just continue to potentially ruin your franchise quarterback? I agree. Allen for MVP. Exactly. So. Well, anything from you, how uh, Bill's outlook this season in the AFC East? Um, yeah, I still think the off-season drama may potentially affect their team's dynamic. Uh, however, hopefully they can move on from that and focus on having a good season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and this question kind of made me think, where do they stand in the AFC? And so because it's June 25th and uh, there's not much else going on in the National Football League, I asked everybody to prepare their way too early AFC Power Rankings, where we will have our top seven playoff teams, division winners, wild cards, and the rest of the conference that does not make the playoffs. So I will throw it to you both first. Who is your way too early one seed in the American Football Conference? Um, So I didn't do it by, like, seeds. I just did mm-hmm. it as my winners. No, like, that's fine. Who I have for my winners. So for the AFC East winner, I still have the Bills because hoping everything goes well, still missed all the drama. And then for AFC North winner, I have Bengals because Joe Burr's just too much of a beast. Mm-hmm. And AFC South winner, I have Jaguars. Um, they were good last season, so hopefully they can keep it up. And AFC West winner, I unfortunately have the Chiefs. I do not like the Chiefs because I still feel that mm-hmm. uh, they were robbed. Uh, they robbed the Eagles of the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. So they did. Yeah, they, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> they did. A little bit. <laughs> All right, uh, Mitch. I'll throw it to you. Who is your uh, way too early one seed? Yeah, my way too early one seed, and it could change. All these seeds could change later on, but I have the Chiefs. Yeah. AFC West. They're going to win the division. They're going to be the one seed. I think Patrick Mahomes at this point is pretty much undeniable. Yeah, yeah. Stop the presses. I have the Chiefs as my one seed. I I decided to make this even more challenging on myself and do actual record predictions. I figured as the host, I'll go down with the ship. So if someone (laughs) wants to clip this and just, you know, run this back in November when none of this comes true. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. I have the Chiefs as my one seed. I'll predict them. On June twenty fifth, twenty twenty three, to go thirteen and four in the regular season, they're just they're just too unstoppable. They they have Patrick Mahomes. I think that's that's enough said. That it's an offensive powerhouse. Yeah, 
Oh, man. Yeah, all right, so, Mitch, I'll throw it back to you. Who is your two seed in the AFC? AFC East two seed. Ooh. Buffalo Bills. Okay. <laughs> okay. I had to. I didn't get the record, but I think that they will beat out Miami, not by a lot of games, but had to go with Josh Allen. You know, that division's just so stacked. I don't know if, like, if, you know, Tua – you know, he, he's put on a lot of muscle this offseason. If Tua can, like, you know, stay healthy and stay on the field, that could change a lot of things. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers actually decides he wants to play football and not be the keynote speaker at a psychedelics <laughs> conference, that could also help. But, like, the Jets schedule so hard in that first eight weeks, he might just zone out completely. Who knows? So, again, my two seed. Also, the Buffalo Bills. I will predict them to go 11-6. and six. Uh, Spoiler alert. Uh, my two through four seeds, there's a three-way tie, and I'll explain Ooh. that. I looked at the schedules. I had too much time on my hands at work yesterday. <laughs> so uh, my two seed Buffalo Bills, I think even with all of this uh, chaos around them right now, they still have the continuity that only the Patriots in that division have, and they have the best quarterback in that division. So Buffalo, they're going to be my two seed at 11-6. and six. All right. Mitch, back to you. Your three seed in the AFC. Yeah. My three and actually my four seed matched Lana's division winners. Mm-hmm. I had Bengals at three seed and Jaguars at four seed. Me too. Yep. Both of mine are 11 <laughs> and six as well. Yeah. Um, I think Jaguars are pretty undeniable for that division. I think that's one of the worst divisions in football. It's pretty bad. It's it's, it's bad. It's it's pathetic, <laughs> especially in the AFC. I like the other three divisions are like a nuclear arms race, and then there's just the Titans could maybe win that division with nine wins, or the I Jaguars don't. could win it with nine wins. I wouldn't be shocked if Titans got last in that division. The Titans could either win the division or derail they could go 10 and 7 or 4 and 13 i really don't know yeah they the titans often there's like two players with talent on the entire titans well, here's offense. the thing like derrick henry has one year left on his contract so i i just think they're gonna milk him to death like quite literally every <laughs> single play derrick henry is going to set the nfl record for carries <laughs> in a season he's going to end, end the season pretty much just on crutches and his stretch and run. He will never be this. We're gonna, we're gonna, first down, Derrick Henry stretch. Second down, Derrick Henry power. Third, third, third down, and fifteen. We're third and fifteen. Derrick Henry screen pass. <laughs> yeah, he's he's going to be touching the ball a lot for the Titans. But back to the actual topic, Jaguars win that division. Bengals, I think. Uh, well, I'll, I'll save that for later. But I did have the Bengals edging out a certain team mm. for the three seed there. Well, so my three seed, Cincinnati Bengals, fourth seed, Jacksonville Jaguars. So how this three-way tie works is the Bills, Jaguars, and Bengals will all play each other this season. So how I have it, the Bills will play the Jaguars in London. The Jaguars own London. So the Jags will beat the Bills in London. The Bengals will beat the Bills in Cincinnati. And the Bengals will beat the Jaguars in Cincinnati also. So I think that's – wait, no, that Buffalo would have to beat Cincinnati. I didn't write down my notes how the tiebreaker went. My brain's a little tired. The caffeine hasn't kicked in yet. But yeah. just, just know there's a three-way tie. Buffalo somehow gets the two seed. Cincinnati's the three seed. Uh, Jacksonville's the fourth seed. Just trust me on that, please. I, I promise I did this math yesterday or something. Uh, 
But let's get into the fun one, wild cards. Lana, let's go with your wild cards, uh, please. Yeah, my wild cards, I have the Ravens since Lamar Jackson. You know, he's still a good quarterback. And I have Browns only because I'm trying to be optimistic. <laughs> I know the Browns are, you know, notorious for always disappointing us. But Thank you. No. no. <laughs> there we go. Um. Gaslight me, Lana. Gaslight <laughs> me. This is our year. This, this, time, this time. What's that, what's that scene from Arrested Development? These people somehow delude themselves <laughs> into thinking it might work for them. And it never does. But it might work for us. Yeah. That's this year. And um, my last wild card, um, I have the Texans, um, which might, like, surprise some people. Well, no, we just talked about that division is terrible. It's Mm -hmm. not surprising they could, you know, be competitive in that division than, like, accidentally win five more games. If like, (laughs) no, I'm, like, not kidding. Like, if injury, they play a last place schedule. If injury luck goes their way. And, you know, they get they catch some breaks. I mean, I don't think that's completely out of the realm. I love C.J. Stroud. If you'd have told me the Texans would go, like, 9-8 and eight and sneak in as the 7th seed, would, like, I raise an eyebrow? Yeah, but the more I think about it, I could potentially see that maybe if they're, like, the, like if they're, like, or, like, if they catch everything perfect, I think that could be their ceiling. Yeah, I just feel like um, their second and third um, draft picks, like, from this previous uh, draft this year. Oh, they knocked Stroud. it out of the park this yeah. year. And yeah, and Anderson. I think they're definitely going to impact. This is a C.J. Stroud Stan group right here. We <laughs> we love we love yeah. some C.J. Uh, but yeah, those were your three wild card teams. You said the uh, Ravens, Browns, and Texans. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mitch, I'll throw it to you. Who is your five seed in the AFC? Yeah, I really wanted to put the Browns in this wild card picture at all. But I, I just don't think I can do it. <laughs> oh, I don't think I can do it. The, the AFC is tough this year. and In, I, our, in our division's the toughest. It is. Double I, negative. It cancels out. So we're going to win it. <laughs> I like Deshaun Watson, too. Like, I know a lot of people don't like Ooh, him. But oh I like him for the Browns. And I just want everyone to watch. I like him as a football player. That, think, no, that's yeah. what I okay. mean, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, complete, let's completely <laughs> preface that. Let us. Yes. Yeah. As, as, yeah, we're not talking about the off. We'll, we'll put that in the past. Hey, football on the field, football stuff. Like, we'll not put it in the past. Yeah. This is a football conversation. Yeah, football conversation. So we're yeah. going to keep it there. I do like Deshaun Watson as a player. And I think if the Browns snuck into the seventh seed, I wouldn't be surprised. But not the fifth seed. I had that as the Miami Dolphins. Mm, all right. Uh, mm-hmm. I am running on pure delusion here. <laughs> Let's go. My Cleveland Browns, baby. <laughs> we are going to be 10 and 7, and we are going to lose week 18 to the Bengals and lose out on the division. But we're going to be the wild card, and we're going to go to Duval for the wild card round. That's insane. That's. I'm insane. You're a wild man. I'm a wild man. <laughs> the caffeine's kicking in, man. Can you feel it now? Can you feel it now if the intro didn't give it away? Is the caffeine here now? Yes. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I think this team's bound to catch breaks. We can't be that terrible for that long, can we? You think? No. Mm. No, but just... You'd just, hope that. You'd hope, right? But, like, <laughs> let, let me have this, man. Let me it, have this. You got it right now. All right. All right. It, it's June 25th. I predict... Yeah, I'll say it with my chest. Cleveland Browns, 10-7. and 7. 
June 25th, mark it down, 11.25 a.m., June 25th, 2023. The Cleveland Browns will go 10-7 and seven and make the playoffs. That's going to come back to haunt me. Please clip it. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, when you're editing this tomorrow, clip it. Please clip it. All right. Anyway, Mitch, I'll go back to you. You're sixth seed in the AFC. Sixth seed might be surprising to some people, but I was actually pretty confident in putting them here. I had the Chargers. I have that one as well. Really? Yeah. Dude, they got Kellen Moore as their OC now. They have a wide receiver that can actually, like, have speed. They have a really good, like, offense as a whole. Oh, yeah. No, I looked at this one stat yesterday from Sharp Football. Uh, The Cowboys, with Kellen Moore as their OC, had the highest red zone success rate in the NFL. The Chargers were top 10. I think they were at 44%. But now they're adding the OC of the top offense. Yeah, this the whole entire. If they, if they can get to the red zone, they can score, and I bet they will. Well, like what? Remember last year, like Justin Herbert played two perfect games against the Chiefs, mm-hmm. but then Gerald Everett just gave up on that one route in the end zone, and then Patrick Mahomes did that thing where he just scores a touchdown with zero seconds left. Yeah, I had Everett in fantasy, so I remember that oh. pretty clearly. Oh boy, and, yeah, yeah. But this year, it's going to be different. Chargers have anything you need in a great offense. They have an extremely good running back. They have like four receivers that can catch the ball. They yeah. have and Gerald Everett. He he has some idiotic moments. I know because yeah. he played in Seattle. I watched. Yeah, it. but but he's a good tight end at his peak. He's very serviceable. He's serviceable. Yeah. That's the perfect word for All him. All right, and let's get right into it. Let's let's close this off. Seven seed. I'll go right to you. New York Jets. Okay. New York Jets. I got Aaron Rodgers. All right. He's struggling early. Late season push like he pretty much always does. And pushing into the seventh seed spot. All right. See, my seventh seed is also an AFC East team. But unlike unlike your prediction, when Aaron Rodgers struggles early, I think he goes back to just being on the Joe Rogan podcast as a reoccurring <laughs> guest. Doesn't care about football. And Tua Tugavailoa in the Miami Dolphins. Take the seven seed at nine and eight. I think that division's just such a dogfight that coming out of the AFC with a winning record is impressive nonetheless. So, uh, and then we'll just run through the rest of the teams that we don't have making the playoffs just for time's sake. And then that'll be the end of segment one. All right. I'll start with you. Go ahead. Um, Yeah. So the teams that I have not making the playoffs are the Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, Steelers. Titans, Colts, Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos. All right. Mitch, I'll throw it to you, man. Yeah. Well, for the AFC East, I had three of those teams making the playoffs. So, obviously, Patriots at the bottom, sadly, not making the playoffs. I had the Bengals at the top of the AFC North. Then I had the Browns coming in after them. Then the Ravens. And then the Steelers. Had Jacksonville at the first seed in the AFC South, mm-hmm. and it's so tough to rank the teams behind that because I just I don't like what I see at all. Yeah, but I had Texans right after them, then Colts, then Titans, mm-hmm. and for the AFC West had the Chiefs, then the Chargers, then the Raiders, mm. and then the Broncos. Okay. All right, I, I did this by just, like, how close these teams were to the playoffs. So, uh, eight-seed Baltimore Ravens, 9-8. and eight. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, 9-8. and eight. Titans, 8-9. and nine. 
Colts 7 and 10, Texans 6 and 11, Broncos 6 and 11, Jets 6 and 11, Patriots 5 and 12 and the Las Vegas Raiders at 4 and 13. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> That's going to conclude segment 1 everyone stick around because right after this when we come back we'll be talking about the Cleveland Guardians weekend review, all of their pitching incidents, the whole fiasco with the catcher position, so stick around here on 881. Welcome back here to Sports Power Talk here on 88.1. If you missed the first segment, my name is Matt Permuka. I am your host today, filling in for Logan Congrove. Happy birthday, Logan. It was his 21st last night, so he's, you know, he's feeling it today. But I'm joined here by two wonderful co-hosts. To my left, Mitch Bates. Yep, how's it going, everyone? And to my right, Stephen Kwan's biggest fan. I think <laughs> it's fitting for this segment, Lana Sal. Yep, hello, hello. <laughs> All right. Let's get right back into it. We said this was going to be a Cleveland Guardians segment, and that's what it's going to be. We're going to start right off with the whole fiasco at the catcher position. If you've followed the Cleveland Guardians at all this year, you know that starting in the offseason, they said they were going to upgrade the catcher position. They made everyone, they made it clear they were pursuing Sean Murphy, a big cleanup, pat, cleanup bat that was a good <laughs> defensive presence. And when they missed out on him, you know what they did? They signed Mike Zanino. And you know what happened to Mike Zanino now? He was designated to the minors and ultimately released this week. Uh, you know, to say this was a failure would be putting it too kindly. Uh, on a one-year $6 million deal, well, you're just going to be eating about $3.5 million of his cap space. Uh, in his uh, in his 140 plate appearances, he was batting 177 with just three home runs and 11 RBIs. So, um, before we get into uh, anything else about the catcher position, your guys' thoughts on Mike Zanino's tenure in Cleveland coming to an abrupt end? Yeah, for me, I'm like kind of shocked because you know he was this prior All Star and everything. So, like mm-hmm. my expectations were high, and immediately got disappointed. Um, I mean, this is crazy. Like the fact mm-hmm. that that they invested in him, and you know, now just saying bye. Yeah, you know, I I wanted to really like like him at the beginning of the year because I knew they were again really in pursuit of Sean Murphy. And when they signed Zanino, a bunch of my buddies that are baseball people said, "Oh, this is a fairly okay signing." And so I was happy. And then I remember uh, it was one of the spring training games I watched. They did a segment on him about uh, Zanino's time in the minors and how he said. You know, he never wanted to go back to the minors and how he was, uh, you know, uh, determined to be a good role model for the younger players and to just, you know, stay in the majors the rest of his career. Uh, And then he became an absolute defensive liability from behind the plate and an absolute offensive liability from the batter's box. And uh, now he's on his couch. So um, Mike Zanino, sorry it had to end this way. Uh, thank you for your service, I guess. I don't know if I'd necessarily call it that. Uh, but, yeah, he was designated to AAA Columbus last week and on June 21st was released. But this sad, sad story has a happy ending because you know why? Bo Naylor is a Cleveland Guardian. He is up in the majors. The most 
beloved prospect we've had in recent memory. I know, you know, Lana, you're a big Guardians fan. I assume, like, when you would see the Guardians on Twitter, every everything they'd post would be just Bo Naylor's yeah, photo, just yeah. threads of Bo Naylor. <laughs> yeah, the comment section was it was always so funny. Like, um, oh, the gu- even, so the Guardians on Twitter, they always, like, post the starting lineup and things yeah. like that. And it was Bo so Naylor. funny. It's just all the comments, just Bo Naylor's Bo picture. Naylor's face, yeah. It was so, so funny. What do, we do, like, wow. what, what do we do now that he's here? Um, we need to find a yeah. new meme. Yeah. Like, what do we... <laughs> I don't know. We can't use Brian Shaw or Mike Zanino anymore, <laughs> so... Yeah. guess we actually have to watch our baseball team. But yes, mm-hmm. uh, Bo Naylor was brought up from AAA Columbus on June 17th, and he's been with the team since. Uh, he's only started four games so far. We've won all four, but, you know, hey. Uh, and he only has one hit and ten plate appearances so far. So I know there's not much of a sample size right now, uh, but if I could get your guys' thoughts on Bo Naylor's first week in the majors and potentially his outlook of what you'd like to see from him the rest of the summer and the fall. Yeah, ahead, yeah. I, I think he's going to be a much-needed improvement for the Guardians, and his dominance that he had in the minor leagues makes me feel like there was, is high expectations. It was just every day, like one of like the Columbus Clippers would put out, he did it again, and it'd be like a 470-foot <laughs> home run. And meanwhile, we'd have to watch Mike Zanino and Cam Gallagher just like, What's the scene from bench warmers where like they're just like chopping at the baseball? That's what it felt like. You had Bo Naylor just crushing bombs in Columbus and whatever our catchers were doing. Uh, so, you know, again, I'm throwing these up here. Lana, your thoughts on uh, Bo Naylor's first week and what you'd like to see out of him this summer? Yeah, I'm really excited. I, I want him to be like the the everyday starting catcher because I think um, catching, he does a really good job. Mm-hmm. And um, I think for batting-wise, um, he he might just be like a little bit nervous or something like that because... Wait, it's going to take time. I mean, like, I, I'm not going to like hold this against him right yeah, now. I mean, uh, same, yeah, same. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think... It, he just got promoted, you know, basically. And to, honestly, like, I'm I'm glad his first, like, I'm glad he's struggling. Like, he's getting all the jitters out against, like, the A's, mm-hmm. who are just absolutely sc- terrible. So, you know, like, just struggle now. And then, you know, when we come back to, you know, division play, you know, all the rust is off. I mean, we can hit the ground running, so. Yeah, because I do think he's going to do a good job because he did so well in the minors. So oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, as far as as far as this goes for me, I, I would absolutely love to see him be the everyday catcher. I don't know if that's necessarily a reality uh, this year, uh, but you know what? If he catches, let's say, uh, two to four times a week, and this summer he hits, I don't know, two thirty batting average, five to ten home runs. 20 to 30 RBIs in half a season, I I would be absolutely ecstatic. I think that would be you know, that, that would be impeccable uh, just for, you know, your second catcher who would hopefully be your day one starter uh, for 2024. Uh, that's just my thoughts on it, but we'll get into another catcher, the guy that's playing over him, and that's Cam Gallagher. Now, uh, Tito uh, does not want to play Bo every day because apparently he cannot... It's hard for... Well, not apparently. It is hard for young catchers to constantly adjust to new pitching every day. So, you know, instead of getting Bo Naylor accustomed to every pitcher in the rotation, we're only going to get him accustomed with a few guys. And so uh, Cam Gallagher, who is another offensive liability, is our you know starting catcher 
the rest of the week. Uh, he's hitting 143 on the season. You thought Zanino was bad. <laughs> I raised you a Cam. I raised you Cam Gallagher. Uh, you thought Zanino's 11 RBIs was bad. Gallagher has six. And you thought Zanino's three home runs was bad. Gallagher has none in 84 plate appearances. Uh, so this is going to be such an open-ended question, and I think I know the consensus answer. So who would you guys choose as our everyday catcher going forward for this summer and fall? Yeah, for sure. It's for me, Bo Naylor, because yeah. like you, in, in my opinion, you need to get him accustomed. Like instead oh, yeah. of just letting, like, uh, I, I don't understand, but um, I do think that instead of just like letting him, oh, like test out like a couple of uh, the, the pitchers, I do think this should be the time that um, you get accustomed to, to everybody. Like, exactly. You've got nothing to lose. Exactly. I mean, look. You know, I, this is such a weird spot to be in because we're not playing particularly well, but we're only a game out of first place in the AL Central. But at the same time, I don't know what, you know, getting the last division win and, you know, losing to like the Yankees or the Blue Jays in the first round of the wild card would necessarily do for you. So, you know, like I, I want to get Bo experience, but at the same time, you could potentially derail something. And you know you don't you just you just want to get into the dance. Who knows what happens after that? So I don't know. It's such a weird situation, uh, Mitch. I think I know your answer to this question as well. But who is your pick for who the guardian who the Guardians' everyday catcher should be? Yeah, I say they stick with Gallagher. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, no, oh, no, 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 no shot. Um, I think they have to push Naylor in. Obviously, I think that. I really agree with the point that Lana just made. Of there's really like no downside. Like with the yeah. position we're in, you, like you might as well because you're going to need him to be ready for every single game in the future. It, we and need we need bats. <laughs> we need bats. Like Bo Naylor's hitting 100 right now. Look, say his slump continues, you know he he would just need one double hit day, like one two hit day to be back up with Cam Gallagher after that. Like, next week, he just, like, let's say he doesn't register another hit, and then next week he has a game where he hits two, he'd be right back up with Cam Gallagher's average. Like, (laughs) there's only upside, unless he just absolutely just wasn't ready and we rushed him up here, but I don't think that was the case. Uh, So, I think uh, the station's officially a Bo Naylor hype train. It is. In just yeah. two segments, we're a CJ Stroud stands <laughs> and Bo Naylor hype trains. All right. We've established a lot of good things so far. All right. And we'll. All right. Back to the bad things <laughs> the Cleveland Guardians pitching injuries. Uh, right off the rip, Tristan McKenzie was scratched from a start last minute in Arizona last weekend with elbow inflammation. He has been shut down for four to six weeks to be reevaluated. Uh, now. Best case scenario, at the end of this four to six weeks, they find there's no more swelling, the tear, like a, a sprain's healed, and he can go right back out. Uh, worst case scenario, he has Tommy John surgery, and we don't see him till uh, August of 2024. So, uh, I got to ask you both: How should the Guardians go about adjusting this lineup in the potential absence of Tristan McKenzie? Um, I feel the only thing that they can do is um, bring up the youngsters that are coming in. Yeah. And and that's what I think 
um, it should be the mentality of like, oh, if we have someone go down, that then you should bring up the young people to then give them those opportunities and then de- develop them over this time. And oh, I, like I get that completely, but I don't know if I can deal with Hunter Gaddis again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I loved watching him in Akron. Like, when I go to Canal Park and he's on the mound, that's that's a spectacle. When I go to Progressive Field and I watch him just give up a, a three-run home run to Aaron Judge, which, true story, I, <laughs> I went to that game with the Yankees fans. That was not a fun day. Uh, but, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't know, but... Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to catch Hunter. I don't, I don't want Hunter Gaddis to be like. I don't want this to. Be, I don't want to slander Hunter Gaddis. He's a good guy, but just I don't, calling up the youngsters kind of scares me to some extent. Uh, Mitch, your thoughts on what to do with the Guardians' rotation going yeah. forward? I had the same view. I had that we push in the young guys, and there's there's not many more options at this point. And I think that there is potential at that position, but uh Potential doesn't always equal success, and it yes. doesn't always yes. equal results. So I think it's just the injury. The injuries suck. And yeah, very much so. And I think a lot of this is it, the whole "what to do with Shane Bieber" thing. Like that whole conversation. You know what do you do now with him? Because like that's tough. Because if McKen- if, if you if you're down McKenzie the year. And you're down Bieber the whole year. Can you go a season with Logan Allen or Aaron Savale as your ace? I don't think so. Uh, but, you know, my ideal rotation, I guess, given uh, how this is going this summer, I would not trade Shane Bieber given the current information I know about McKenzie. I'd roll with him as my ace. Logan Allen is my two. Aaron Savale is my three. Tanner Bybee is my four. And Gavin Williams would stay up within the majors for uh, the rest of the season and be my day five starter. All right, and so speaking of Gavin Williams, the Guardians' number one pitching prospect made his MLB debut on Wednesday. He went five and two-thirds innings, four strikeouts, gave up four hits and four runs in the third inning of the game, but got out of the jam and did not allow a hit or a run afterwards. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on Gavin Williams' first start in Cleveland. Yeah, that's a... textbook up and down game where you see the worst and then you see the best and I think that it's a good thing for the Guardians as a whole because I think he has potential and if he plays like he did after he gave up those runs it could be a good thing but overall I'm impressed and I hope to see more of the ups instead of those four runs given up yeah yeah Lana yeah, I thought he just did, you know, okay. Um, my expectations were kind of high. I think, like, Cleveland media hyped him up. Yeah. I don't know if you listen to, like, any, like, you know, stations around town during the week. They made this guy out to be, like, yeah, Zeus. They, they literally compared him to all-star pitcher Garrett Cole. They call, um, yeah, can they so. compare him to Garrett Cole? I listened to another person compare him to, like, CC Sabathia because he's, like, 6'6", and, like, he... He's a big boy. He could play tight end for the Browns. Like, he's yeah, he's 6'6", 240, like, pure muscle, like, big. But, yeah, it's – I don't – I don't. Th- I, I think we is uh, – I think the media did not do a uh, good job setting realistic expectations for him because – but, you know, I, I was a pretty big fan of it because I think it's a great thing for a young player to you – know, we know how he deals with adversity now. He got himself into a hole early. You know, you give up four runs in the third, and he gets out of it. He pitches another two and two-thirds innings. 
Uh, and, you know, I think that's a great way to, you know, see what he's made of. He responded well to the chaos. And I think, you know, going forward, you're going to you know, I'll attribute some of that to jitters, let's say. I think once you shake that out, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. Uh, and so, question, would you guys keep him up in the majors the rest of the year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would okay. like to see him, you know, perform well so he can stay in the majors and help the Guardians win. Yeah. All right, and so our last question, dealing with the Guardians pitching, what do we do with Shane Bieber? Because I feel like this was such an easier question when we knew what's happened with Tristan McKenzie. Uh, but now that we don't, w- would you guys trade Shane Bieber at the trade deadline at the end of July? No, I would not trade Beaver. I understand he's struggling as of recently. However, he's our veteran Cy Young all-star MVP pitcher. So I I think he should remain. And um, he gives advice to the younger pitchers coming in. And he's also shown that he is extremely talented and skilled. So I think it's also fun to just still yell, I have Bieber fever in 2023. (laughs) (laughs) 2009 will never end. All right, Mitch, your thoughts. What do we do with Bieber? Yeah, before I thought that trading Bieber was the way to go, mm-hmm. and now that the options have slimmed, I think there's really no other choice but to keep him and for him to be the primary pitcher on the team even. And I like o- Logan Allen a lot. Yeah. But I also know that having several different options is very, very important. That's something I've come to learn on yeah. my baseball journey. Yeah. It's always good to have more and not need it than need it and not have it. Exactly. But, like, I, you know, I get it completely. Like, let's say you do win the division and you have a three-game wild card series. Is Aaron Savale, Logan Allen, and Tanner Bybee going to win you that series with their arms? Heck no. No. <laughs> Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie won you that Rays series last uh, September because of their arms. Remember how low scoring those were. Uh, but, like, look, I'm going to maybe contradict myself a little bit. I would trade Shane Bieber. The front yeah. office has just done such a good job trading star players. I look at the Mike Clevenger trade. That's why we have both Nailers and Andreas Jimenez. Uh, you look at the Lindor trade. Like the, Again, like, the front office knows how to do things well. Uh, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff, great, great at this. So... If they were to trade Shane Bieber, would I be a bit upset? Sure. Overall, I would trust the front office. I, I think they're the best-run team in town. So, uh, But let's get into the Guardians' weekend review. Uh, last Sunday, after we went off air, the Guardians finished off their three-game series of the Diamondbacks, winning 12-3 to and winning the series two games to one. Josh Naylor. Game of the season so far for him. Four hits, three RBIs. Stephen Kwan with another three RBI performance. Uh, and Tanner Bybee with the win, going five innings of six strikeouts and giving up three runs. So your guys' thoughts on last Sunday's uh, blowout of Arizona? Yeah, it's really good. You want to <laughs> see you want to see um, your players uh, have lots of hits and things like that. So I hope they have more games like that. You know, I'm gonna like knock on wood. That's what I, uh, I Josh <laughs> Naylor is starting to figure out left-handed pitchers. And, like, that was his biggest kryptonite last year. It's like, that's why whenever Naylor was up to bat against the Yankees, they just go to the bullpen, bring out a lefty, and he was an instant out. I think he's starting to piece it together. Again, I'm going to knock on wood there. 
But if Josh Naylor can figure out how to hit left-handers in the four hole, oh my goodness, this team could this team could really use that. Uh, Mitch, your thoughts on the uh, final game of the uh, Diamondback series? Yeah, I agree. It's refreshing, and as a Guardians fan that I'm trying to become, the one thing that I've been preaching is consistency, and that's that's still what I'm going to preach. I think consistency is needed, and seeing games like that can help to build the momentum that this team needs, and mm-hmm. I think the key word is refreshing. Yeah. So we'll cover this next series a bit. We we swept the Oakland Athletics. Uh, breaking news, they're not a good team. Uh, and so, you know, it was nice to pick up, you know, a little three-game winning streak there. Uh, game one of the series, the Guardians won 3-2 with Andres Jimenez hitting a walk-off in the bottom of the 10th inning. Uh, game two, Guardians won 7-6 with Josh Nather leading the comeback in the 7th. Stephen Kwan hitting the go-ahead RBI double in the 8th. And game three, just completely demolished them six uh six to one uh josh bell sent sent a baseball to the moon and by moon i mean rocket mortgage field house it went 435 feet um and the guardian scored four runs in the eighth inning after several a's errors so your guys thoughts on the guardian sweep of the athletics are we back are we so back how back are we <laughs> Um, to be honest, I'm not, like, that impressed with the win. Um, All right, so to be determined. <laughs> do you follow the Gardo meter on Twitter? No, I don't. Okay, that's a great account because it's got, like, five settings. Like, it's over. Yeah, well, yeah. It never began. It it's over. To be determined. <laughs> yeah. We're back, and we are so back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, they're, I'm pretty sure they're the worst team this season. So oh, the, by far. The Oakland A's, Athletics, whatever. So yeah. um, I don't like how the game, like game one was so close, three to two. Why was it that close? I don't know. <laughs> and um, the second game, again, seven to six. Why was it that close? Ah, we won, though. <laughs> wins are wins. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I guess. It just should not have been that close, in my opinion. No, fair enough. Completely fair. Mitch, your thoughts? Yeah, I think we did what we needed to do in a certain sense because I would have liked there to be bigger gaps in every single game, but we swept them. So yeah. you say a win's a win. I'll take a win any day. You know, I again, it would be really nice if it would just how like I would play MLB the show, put it on rookie and win every <laughs> game 12 to five, you know, hitting seven RBIs. But, uh, you know, look, they're still major league athletes. So, you know, I'll, I'll take, I'll gladly take a sweep. And that brings us to the current series, the Milwaukee Brewers. Game three would be today, but we have two games in the books. The Guardians lost game one on Friday night, 7-1. to one. I don't want to talk about this one much, but I have to as your host. Uh, Shane Bieber, uh, consistently inconsistent. He went five innings, eight strikeouts, but uh, gave up four runs with a 3.7 ERA. Offensively, the team could not do anything, registering six hits. And for the Brewers, Willie Adams, four hits, two home runs and five RBIs. Uh, and then yesterday, Guardians win 4-2. to two. Uh, Terry Francona, I don't know if you guys caught this, made an incredibly odd lineup choice. Uh, David Fry, who is a catcher and has only played catcher since high school, started as our right fielder. And he ma- there was a fly ball to him in the first inning, and he made, like, an egregious error, just completely whiffed on it, and the Brewers scored early in the first. But he made up for it in the sixth with an RBI single, Naylor RBI after, and the Guardians win. Everything was happy. Tanner Bybee was on the mound going six innings and striking out seven. So your guys' thoughts on the early uh, 
first two games of this Brewer series. Yeah, the first game was, it was bad to watch. Yeah, we don't have to talk about that. I I feel bad for the people that were there because it was raining and stuff like that. Like, man, it was just bad. Mm -hmm. Um, However, the second game, it was was okay. Um, Yeah. (laughs) A good bounce back. Yeah. Yeah, that's the roller coaster of being a Guardians fan where you go, all the way down. We're back. And we're it's back. Over. It never began. <laughs> we are so, so back. back. <laughs> we're so back. But, yeah, I think that the second game was uplifting. I'm just going to skip over the first game. Yeah, we'll not, not talk about that part. <laughs> but, yeah, I think tonight's game depend. That will dictate how I feel about the series as a whole. Oh, completely fair. All right, and so that's going to bring us to our final bit of segment to our MLB Player of the Week segment started by our former sports director, Jake Murren, continuing his legacy alive. So, Lana, I'll throw it to you. Who is your MLB player of the week? Um, So, for me personally, I have to go with the legendary Shohei Otani. Nice, nice, nice. He currently leads the whole MLB league in home runs with 25 home runs as of right now. Oh, boy. And he's just so legendary. Um, He uh, is amazing, and uh, I hope he can win MVP. Again, yeah. Yeah. Get another one. And um, lead the whole entire league in home runs this year. Yeah. And let me just also quickly add for those who may have missed it yesterday, the Angels won in a crazy score of 25, 25 to, to 1. Yes. Against Chaotic. the Colorado Rockies. It was crazy. All right, Mitch, who is your player of the week? Yeah. I had Ellie De La Cruz. Nice, nice, nice. Yep. And he's a rookie. I want to remind him. Yes. 15th career game. Hitting he hit his cycle. The cycle. First yeah. Reds player in 30 years. Youngest Red player ever. It, it's, it's just crazy because of Dude, how young he is. Like, and that gave, like, that gave them their 12th win in a row. They were on a 12-game losing winning streak, I mean, sorry. And then they had their first loss in two weeks yesterday. Yeah, that's... Absolutely insane. That's the third fewest games it's taken anyone to do that since yeah. 1900. Yeah. <laughs> I love that pro baseball reference. It just goes back that far. It's like crazy stat in the 2020s. That hasn't happened since 1904 with the Winnipeg Whippersnappers. Like, all right. My player of the week before we close out segment two. It was also Ellie De La Cruz. About I figured that would be a popular pick. So I'm going to pick the Colorado Rockies social media team on their, tw- on their Twitter after the game. They posted that SpongeBob clip where it's like they had the piece of paper. He goes, oh. Guys will just throw it in the fire, and it was their final score, and just blew up, like it just you know burned up. And then their Instagram story, they posted the final score. It was a final score: Rockies one, <laughs> Angels a lot more than one. And uh, that's going to close out our MLB Player of the Week segment and our segment, our segment two as a whole. Uh, in just a few short minutes, we'll be right back, and we're going to be talking about the NBA draft and NBA free agency. But before all that, we're doing our patent hot mic segment. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk. We are in for the final hour of this wonderful show. My name's Matt Permuka, and I am your host today. In case you missed the first hour of this show, I'm joined by my two favorite co-hosts of all time, Mitch Bates. Let's go. I do. And Stephen Kwan's number one fan, Lana Sow. Hello, hello. <laughs> all right. Let's get right into it. It's time for our famous segment, Hot Mike. Let's pull this up. All right. You know how this goes. You guys ask us questions. We answer them live on air. We're doing this blindly, I believe. So let's get right into it. First question comes from our sports director and the birthday boy himself, Logan Congrove. Logan says, hey, all. Matt, thank you for stepping in for me this week. That's not a question, Logan, but you're welcome. Oh, here we go. 
My question is, what is the current state of Mitch's dog? Ah, my dog's doing great. Okay. Still here with us because Sixers-Kings was not the finals outcome that they yeah. predicted. So my dog is doing wonderful. Good, good, good. I don't know the context of that. Don't know if I want to ask, but <laughs> I'll explain later. All right. Next question comes from our number one fan here, Jake Murn, a goat. He asks, what MLB team are you most surprised about this season? You know, I got to say, I'll, I'll say the Oakland A's. I knew they were going to be bad. I didn't know they were going to be this bad. Where just every game, it just seems like they're just a collection of errors from that team. So any thoughts from you guys? Yeah, yeah, I'm shocked you're going with like the negative route. I was gonna say like a positive. Like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm no, yeah, no, be be uplifting, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, cancel me out. Um, I, I'm gonna say the Cincinnati Reds. You know, LA solid. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I don't I, think they were in the playoffs last. Uh, no, they were not. They're 12 and two so, in their last 14. Cincinnati's so, yeah. on fire right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question, also from Jake Murnigo. Uh Thoughts on the Titanic submarine. I don't have much like. Let's plead the this. fifth. We're gonna plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah. Let's pleading the fifth. All right. First player that co- also from Jake Murnigoat. First player that comes to your mind when I say the L.A. Angels. It's got to be Otani, right? Yeah, that's okay. what I say. Or like, or Trout. Yeah, or yeah. Trout. Okay. Yeah. All I hear is L.A. I don't know anything about okay. L.A. Angels, but I heard L.A. Right. and I thought Kobe. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. All right. That's. Next question comes from Pat Weber. Who wins in a fight? Prime Conor McGregor or Scooby-Doo costume Matt? Okay, so for those that don't get that, all right, so my Halloween costume, I was Scooby-Doo. I bought two of them. I have two Scooby-Doo full body suits at my, in my mom's storage room. Um, that is also my profile picture in our group chat, uh, and that's become, I think, a little bit of a meme in there. Uh, so... Who would you guys pick? <laughs> Prime Conor McGregor, the uh, UFC champion, or me in a Halloween costume with no formal MMA training? And uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's about it. Who, who, who's winning that fight? That's a close fight. <laughs> that's, that's a close one. I don't have that dog in me. I got that dog on me. Yeah, that's, that's, a Scooby, that's a Scooby, <laughs> Scooby-Doo head. I'm, I'm thinking Matt. No bad idea. Bet the house. Take out a second mortgage and put it on McGregor. <laughs> I am tapping out as soon as I get in the ring. I'd be scared to death. I'd put my Scooby Doo tail between my legs, literally and metaphorically. <laughs> It'd be bad. It'd be bad. All right. Next question comes from. Oh, I don't know how to say that username, so we'll go at Banana Killer Fifteen. <laughs> For the Guardians, we'll be ending our series on the Brewers and going to face the Royals. If we do not dominate the Royals series or show signs of improvement, is this a sign of concern? Also, who would you guys and girls want to see throw the first pitch at any baseball game? Okay, so first question: uh, If they don't win the Royals series, yeah, that's that's pretty big cause for concern. That they're a bottom feeder in our division. That that'd be nice. I, I'd like to win the Brewers series. Win the Royal Series, but uh, if I had to pick a, anyone to throw out a first pitch, you know, I went to a Cavs game and Joey Chestnut was the halftime performer, so I would want to see Joey Chestnut throw out the first pitch and then like get into some feud with like the hot, like the Guardians hot dogs, because <laughs> you know he's like the hot dog eating contest champion or whatever. <laughs> That'd just be my that's that's my two cents on the matter. 
Um, yeah, I, I think the Royals question, yeah, that's also a sign of concern. And in, instead of, like, seeing someone, hopefully, like, we like we can throw a first pitch one day. That would be Oh, cool. that, yeah, I'd, I'd even think of myself. I don't think it, I don't think mine would go well. It'd be, like, like somewhere between, like, Travis Kelsey's and 50 Cent. Oh, my God. Like, I, I, I'd, loft, I'd loft it there, not on target, but it'd get there. Yeah, I'm going to throw a Logan Paul knuckleball just... Well, from, from the from the you want to see the man from the mean streets of Rocky River Gosh, throw out the no. first pitch from the trenches uh, from the tre- from the wealthiest <laughs> Cleveland suburb there is. All right, and then uh, another question from Banana Killer fifteen with Bubba leaving the Zips. Where would you like to see him go, and who would you like to see fill the hole that he left? That's a tough one. I don't. I don't know if I, I want to put anyone in the situation to, like, you know, fill that hole because he was one of our best defensive players. I don't know if it's necessarily fair to put that pressure on somebody. And, like, right now, can I answer this question, like, after week two when I have, like, a baseline understanding of the team? I'm not trying to dodge the question. I just don't think it'd be fair to anybody right now without seeing how they do uh, in the second year with Coach Moorhead. So, any thoughts from you guys? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I don't think it's... There's been enough time to tell. Yeah. All right, and we have one more question from our very own Pat Weber. Now, who's better, Ronaldo or Messi? I don't watch soccer, so, Pat, I have no idea how to answer this, man. I'm sorry. I can answer. Go ahead. Messi. Thank goodness, yeah. Simple as it gets. Okay. Yeah. It's messy. I will blindly agree because I don't know how I'd refute anything else. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and that's going to bring us to the bulk of the show. The NBA offseason, the NBA draft was this past week. And to the surprise of nobody, the man that has been projected the number one overall pick from what seems like, what, five years? <laughs> Victor Webinyama, the 7-4 center from France, went first overall to the San Antonio Spurs. So, what are you guys' expectations from Wem- for Wemby's rookie year, the most sought-after prospect, arguably since LeBron? Yeah, I don't like the huge buildup on athletes, like especially as young as Wemby was when they were building him up. Dude, he was six two at like, at like twelve. I know. It's it's just the. I feel like the buildup tends to tear certain athletes down. I don't. No, I think get, it'll happen. It's with hard him. to tear him down. He's seven four. <laughs> can't tear <laughs> he down. Can't seven, be four. tore down. I, I swear he's seven six. Like I saw some some measurements said he was seven foot six. Let's let's check the let's check Professor Google here. Either way, the kid is huge. I just, I just don't like the huge expectations because I think that could have an effect. I hope it doesn't, though. Oh, sorry. Google lists him at seven foot two. Which, uh, anyway, uh, that is still really go- yeah, no yeah. way. That because I when we I we haven't seen it. his official NBA uh, yeah uh, height yet. So I don't, I, I do not know. I don't think he was measured at the combine. But yeah. Uh, he has been hyped up uh, for years. I don't. Uh, the other day, he posted a picture of him at dinner with uh, Greg Robinson, Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. Manu Ginobili. And was Tony Parker in that? There was a fifth person. I didn't know who the fifth person was. I saw Ginobili. Yeah, there was Ginobili, Duncan, Duncan, the Admiral, yeah. David Robinson. That's, that's that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't know who the other guy was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's just crazy david robinson if you'd stand next to him he was like six foot eleven and just absolutely just jacked he made david robinson look like a regular dude yeah manu ginobili looked like if i stood next to logan <laughs> it's like logan's six four i'm five seven like there's a height difference there but like 
if you can make David Robinson just look like an average Joe on the street, that's like absolutely insane. This kid is just something. But he has no muscle, though. I think that. Well, Kevin Durant didn't have muscle either, but it doesn't matter if you're just like, he doesn't have to jump to dunk the basketball. His fingertips are above the rim. But but how's it going to get inside if you can't? Uh, he uses his arms, which are longer and taller than everybody else. And just... You say that about Bobo, too. And Bobo's not exactly dominant. Eh. But he's very know. long. Eh. I, I just I look know. at it that way. Like, he could he could do that. He could just reach over Joel Embiid's head and, like, pat him on the head and dunk it on him. But well, he I can don't also see shoot Bobo from the outside, that. too, man. Like, I think that's where, where he will thrive, I hope. He's just the he's the super stretch five. <laughs> he is he is the elastic five. <laughs> All right. Now, what are your guys' expectations for Victor Webanyama in his rookie year? I mean, seems like everyone's projecting him to be the next greatest player of all time. 2K has made him the highest uh, rated player of all time, giving him a 100 overall card in my team. Are you serious? He what? is the highest rated player in NBA 2K history. No way. He is a 100 overall on my team. No way. Where did yes. you see that? Ronnie, no two, Ronnie 2K on Twitter. That's stupidest thing. That's crazy. Yeah, he hasn't even played an NBA game. No, he is That's a, ridiculous. He's a 19-year-old kid from France, <laughs> and he is a 100 overall on NBA 2K. I think the next 2K, his overall in the actual game and not my team, I think that'll be more... Yeah, well, if, but he's still gonna make him like every, every game gives like rookies yeah. like super jacked cards like after the draft. Like Madden gives yeah. the first pick like a ninety nine, but I mean like no other players gotten a one hundred overall card in two K. Like <laughs> not like LeBron or Jordan or like even like the really weird Brian Scalabrini from like two K seventeen. Not even they were a one hundred overall. It's absolutely insane with this kid. So. Again, your guys' expectations for him as a rookie, you know, anything like, you know, how do you see the Spurs doing any sort of stat predictions, whatever your heart desires? I see him himself being very successful. I think he's one of those rookies who's going to come out and steal the show immediately, kind of like Paulo, but hopefully a little more consistent than Paulo. Yeah. But I think the Spurs don't have as bad of a team as people think. Like, I think the potential on some of the players in the Spurs. See, I think there's a lot of potential there too, but what really like concerns me at least is like how long is Pop going to be there? Yeah. Cuz this is like Greg Popovich is on like his like eighth last season. Like, yeah, I think he was supposed to like <laughs> after Kawhi left, it's like okay, you know, he, he's going to go out in the sunset and then no, he's still here. I mean, that's that's the concern that Greg Popovich, you know, should retire yesterday, but I think that and yeah, I don't think, long story short, the Spurs are not going to be a good team. I don't think they're mm-hmm. going to make playoffs or play in. Really? I, yeah, I don't I don't even see play in, to okay. be honest. Lana, what are your expectations for Wemby as a rookie? Yeah, I have really high expectations for him. I mean, they're, 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 there's a lot of hype. And, um, you know, physically, the he has the height, you know, seven seven foot, you know, way seven, over. Seven, so, between 7'2 yeah. and 7'6, yeah. somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um, and I feel that, like, once he gains more muscle mass, like, that's game over. Like, because yeah. you, then you would literally be physically it's, all the way around. It's like if Slender Man played basketball. 
it's like if Yao Ming was fast. It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, and then he could just easily score at that point. So um, I do think that they can compete for a play-in spot um, because if he can prove, if Victor can prove himself, yeah, you know, then the sky's the limit. Look, you know, the, the West is kind of weak. I think, like, I try to do a little bit of, like, stat predictions. Like I said, I'm the host. I'll go down with the ship. You can clip this, too. If he does not average, in my eyes, around 17 points and nine rebounds a game as a rookie, is that, like, not alarming? Does, would that not scare you if he doesn't average, like, 17 and nine? Like, yeah, that, I think like, it does. That would, that would really scare me. I think that'd be a massive disappointment. I think for Wemby... If he does not average near a t- like a double double, high teens, low twenties, double double, and that team, and he is not the consensus rookie of the year. Like if it's not like how his draft odds were, <laughs> or uh, or anything like that, you know he he has to make the Spurs. He doesn't have to make the playoffs per se, but like keep them around the nine or ten seed there, compete for a play in spot because like. This guy is supposed to be the next best thing since LeBron James walked out of St. Vincent St. Mary's High School just a few miles from us. Like, expectations are through the roof for him. But it's just the rest of the team. Like, he, can they Yeah, with Keldon Johnson as your second best player. Who can name the Spurs point guard right now? I had to look this up last night, <laughs> and I closed, I, I closed that tab out so I could <laughs> that's my That's my concern. I know Keldon Johnson is their small forward. <laughs> yeah, Keldon Johnson. They have Malachi Branham at, like, the two. Yeah. But I, I can't name their point guard, if anyone else. Yeah, I'm not going to try. I don't want to turn to Dr. Google again, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so we talked about Victor Wemby enough. Let's get into the rest of the draft where the real draft, quote-unquote, began. Uh, the second overall pick, Brandon Miller, out of Alabama, went to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, now, was this the right pick for you guys? Because I know there was a big, big debate between could Scoot Henderson play with LaMelo or do you potentially draft the guy with the lower ceiling who's the better fit? So, Lana, you seem to have a quick reaction, so I'll throw it to you first, and then Mitch will go to you. Yeah, I personally don't think this is the right choice. Um, I think they should have drafted Scoot or someone else, because just just straight off the bat, I don't like this Brandon Miller guy's vibe. Like, um, so mm-hmm. in our group chat, Logan sent a video of, like, Brandon Miller talking about who he believes the GOAT is, and he said, quote-unquote, I actually... Paul George. Yeah, he said, I actually don't think LeBron is the GOAT of basketball. My GOAT of basketball is Paul George, which there is nothing wrong with saying your your GOAT is Paul George. I just look, feel that... That opinion's wrong. I, look, okay, look, there's no I, such thing as a wrong opinion. We found a wrong opinion. I, I just feel that it's, like, not recognizing the contributions that LeBron has made. Um, I mean, for crying out loud, he's now the NBA's all-time leading scorer. And, yeah, it's just... And I feel like as soon as that moment happened for LeBron and him becoming the all-time leading scorer, and in addition to all of the other accolades that LeBron has on yeah. and off the court... LeBron James then became the all-time GOAT. Like, there's no arguing about it, in my opinion. Yeah, and, yeah. And then, going <laughs> back going back to another reason why I don't like Brandon Miller's vibe was that he was also caught saying that he sees the Hornets in the NBA Finals next year, which, again, there's this nothing is, wrong. This isn't even his bad scandal, <laughs> and his vibes they, are already off. <laughs> <laughs> which, again, there's nothing wrong with having confidence and that's things like that. That's not confidence. It's, that's delusion. <laughs> it's just I feel he talks a lot of talk. And until he backs that up, maybe will I change my opinion about Brandon Miller. Okay. 
Okay. Mitch, your thoughts on Brandon Miller going second overall? Yeah, here's the debate part. I feel the exact opposite. And I know his – I think you have to separate his personal thoughts and him, even as a person, from his game. Cause okay. His game, he's a very good shooter from deep, and I believe he plays the four. So he's six eight. So at Bama, he played two through four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he played front court. He played in the post. He played wing. He can he can he can do a lot of things. Yeah, I think that's a good four for Charlotte, and he's extremely athletic. He's a very good rebounder. He plays solid defense, but we know that his problems are his effort sometimes explosiveness and there's some character issues there which yeah i don't know <laughs> I don't know if we want to touch on yeah <laughs> let's just let's let's knock him for like his non-harmful actions yeah okay but yeah. <laughs> as a player i think that fit i think it's a really good fit for the hornets i think that's one of the positions and skill sets that the hornets needed but mm-hmm. finals in two years just, like, blows my mind. That's yeah, not... that's that's delusion, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I also would have gone with Scoot Henderson. I think there's just so little, like, quote-unquote hits mm-hmm. in the NBA draft. You cannot potentially pass on one. Who cares if, you know, he plays the same position as LaMelo. LaMelo's 6'7". He can play the two. They both can play off ball. They are both decent shooters. Like, it's not the end of the world if you have two ball-dominant guards. The, the Suns just did it. Exactly. The Cavs have it. Like, that. I don't I don't know. So, you know, oh, boy. Charlotte, I don't get what you guys are doing. Uh, but you know what? Before we get into a, another bit of a scandal, I guess, around... Uh, Around uh, Brandon Miller, let's talk about what we think his rookie year is going to look like. So, Mitch, I'll throw it to you first. Your expectations for his rookie season. Yeah, I'm not going to go crazy as far as expectations because I think a lot of development for him is needed. I would agree with that. I'm not really expecting much out of him. And it's Charlotte, too. Like, you, bottom's not anywhere near built. They're a bottom feeder, yeah. It's like LaMelo, Rozier sometimes. Yeah, whenever Terry decides to play. Does Gordon Hayward still play there? I think his contract expired, but I could be wrong. (laughs) That's interesting. Gordon Hayward, man. Oh, yeah, Gordon Hayward. He has a mullet now. What? Really? Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, oh, it's either a mullet or a terrible mohawk. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> this has become my primary focus. No, literally, uh, like... Gordon I, Hayward's hairline. Yeah, yeah, not to be, like, weird or whatever, this but... Is he, what we, this is what it, we talk about in the summer. Yeah, when Gordon Hayward first got, like... So he had, like, just, like, a bowl cut before, but when he first got, like, that haircut, yeah, I was, was like, I'm sorry, but he's, like, hot. When he was, yeah, when he was at... Butler, he had the bowl cut, then he discovered hair gel, <laughs> and now he has a mullet. He became a man. <laughs> but And then he became a different kind of... Then he, then he became a different kind of man. And, yeah. All right, but let's get into... Uh, I think the consensus, we're not expecting much from Brandon Miller. There's yeah. another thing with him. Uh, Sham Sharani, let's just say he, he whiffed a bit. So Sham Sharani, uh, he's an NBA insider, in case you're not familiar with him. Uh, he put out several tweets saying it looked like Scoot <laughs> Henderson was going to be the pick at number two overall. Only problem with that is Sham Sharani is employed by a major sports book in this country. So when Sham Sharani's source said, hey, we like Scoot Henderson, and Shams tweeted that, it greatly shifted the lines on whatever sports book it was. I cannot say the name because we're not, can't be sponsored by them. But yeah, it greatly <laughs> shifted their odds. And so many people put money on Scoot Henderson to go number two overall. It costs 
people thousands of dollars. Well, not like hopefully not people. Are, hopefully people aren't putting <laughs> thousands of dollars on that. But like all the small bets accumulating into thousands, thousands of dollars. You know. So, you know, I want to pose that question. Like, do you think it's, like, ethical to have, like, these insiders also be employed by sports books? Because that's, like, that is dangerous. Could you imagine if Adam Schefter was employed by, like, one of those? Or, like, Ian Rappaport? Or, like, that just, or, like, Jeff Passan in the MLB? That just, that just does not sit right with me. Yeah, I don't think it's right, but also I don't think it's going to stop. So it's kind of the game you play where am I going to gamble with Quite literally guys? gamble. Yeah, literally. <laughs> am I going to literally that would, gamble? Like that would like I that would deter me from betting on the NBA. Yeah, it that's already shaky. But yeah. I I don't think it's fair, but I think it's gonna continue to happen. So. Yeah. Lana, do you have any thoughts on the Shams incident or, and or have you found a picture of Gordon Hayward's uh, hairline? Yeah, I did find a picture of Gordon Hayward's hairline, <laughs> and, and it's it's fine. Like, it doesn't, it, it's not a mullet, in my opinion. Okay. And May 24th was when he last posted on Instagram. But, um, yeah, so going back to sh- uh, Shams, um, yeah, that's really stupid, in my opinion. Um, he should not be allowed to whatever but be work with this yeah. sports oh, betting Here, thing yeah here's the mullet i i, I have found the picture oh, of the mullet okay. yes yeah. yes yeah that's kind of weird yeah okay i'm yeah. glad we, glad we got that settled <laughs> all right back to actual basketball now we go to number three overall scoot henderson is a portland trailblazer uh how do you guys see him working with damian lillard like what should what should portland do with the point guard situation should they move lillard should they rebuild like what do they do? Because I think they're just on the road to nowhere right now. I I don't see Lillard playing there next season. And I think they made the perfect pick to make Lillard want to stay, but I, I'm i getting well, really Sexton uh, LeBron vibes out I'm of this. See- <laughs> I'm seeing tweets where it's like Damian Lillard's camp was upset they didn't trade the pick, but at the same time, Damian's been really welcoming for Scoot. I mean, I, I, I don't know how these how these guys are thinking. It's yeah, so tough, man, so tough. It is tough, but I, I don't think Damian Lillard's going to be there. And I think Scoot will end up being the primary focus for the Trailblazers' offense. I, that would make too much sense, man. Again, why would pro sports teams do it make sense when you can just be perennially mediocre? They never do. So. Exactly. Lana, what are your thoughts? Uh, what does Portland do with the point guard position? Um, I think Damien's gonna stay there, and because like all everything's yeah, like says like there's a whole bunch of sources of him saying that like he's he wants to be in Portland, and and I saw this funny tweet. It was like it was like Damien Lillard is like the girl that um that says I'm gonna break up with my boyfriend, and <laughs> I just, just never does. That, yeah, who's, yeah. Who's, who's 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 not loyal? My boyfriend who's not loyal, and I just never does. Yeah, she's just. <laughs> She's just stuck in the toxic relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so, like that. <laughs> no, but I, I, I don't know why he'd want to stay in Portland unless he's like secretly one of Aaron Rodgers' psychedelic buddies. But like, <laughs> no, that's possible. I, I will say, I, I, I don't have any sources. Just, I, I don't. I just don't see why. <laughs> I don't know. I will say, like, I do admire Damian Lillard, like trying to be loyal. There's to Portland. loyalty, and then there's like self-deprecation because of you're just. I feel like it's like kind of like arrogant. Is arrogance the right word? Like, he's like, I'm going to do this here to the point where it's, like, harming him? I think at the point mm-hmm. it's at, yes, it is arrogance. 
Dame time is real, man. Like, I will never forget him hitting the shot over uh, Brandon Miller's goat, Paul George. <laughs> Start, starting Dame time. Like, he could be so good somewhere else. Like, he he really is the second best shooter in the league right now. It's sad to just watch him rot in Portland. Yeah, Logan will love when I say this. Get him to Miami. Yes, I, I agree. I mean, that I, would I kind be of very been, nice. I agree, too. If, honestly, if you're Portland and they offer you Bam Adebayo... Like Duncan Robinson I and like hero. a couple of draft. That's a hero. lot to give up just for Damian, though. I don't know. Oh, but Jimmy Butler and Damian Lillard. Oh, I was just saying. Oh I yeah, I saw like a trade package of like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, maybe one of the younger. I think it was like um, Kyle Lowry too. It, if you want <laughs> Kyle Lowry, uh, <laughs> maybe for like leadership purposes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking like a Martin would be more. Yeah, that would make a little more. Yeah, but if you want Lowry, go ahead. But I think that'd be a good deal for both sides because I yeah. think for Portland it gives you a reset, and Miami it gives you maybe that last piece you need. Yeah, I I just don't know, man. What Portland does, they are on this road to nowhere. If they trade Damian Lillard, I think that would finally start a rebuild. I got a message from Logan Congress. Oh boy, and. I'm sure you all are going to predict what it says. but Heat culture, baby, is my Get him guess. to Miami. Give up anything. I don't care who we have to give up. That's so crazy. So you're giving up Jimmy Butler, buddy? Oh, boy. <laughs> Butler. Of course, we, you know, let's go to the most extreme scenario because certainly that's, certainly that'd be offered. Heat culture, baby. Oh, boy. But, yeah, I, again, I think you need to trade Damian Lillard now to even just start a rebuild, man, because I would feel so bad for Scoot Henderson if he's just like how Kyrie was in Cleveland, like you trade Dame for nothing. But if you can get like Adebayo and a couple of shooters from Miami, that's those are good pieces. You have no max players, and you have a bunch of money to throw at somebody. Like It's a start. It's a, it's a start. Honestly, you could probably finish maybe three games worse than you could with Damian Lillard, but have like, you know, Optimism, Right. But, you know, what do I know? (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know what? When we come back, we're going to talk about a few more draft headlines, including some of our current Akron Zips uh, and our Cleveland Cavaliers as well, as well as the multitude of NBA trades that have gone down this week. So stay tuned here on 88.1. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk for our final segment of the day. My name is Matt Permuga, in case you have not been listening, and I am joined by Mitch Bates and Lana Tow. We have one more wonderful segment of NBA basketball to talk about, and we're going to start off with our Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs did not have a first-round pick. They, they didn't even have an early second-round pick. They had the 49th pick in the NBA draft, and they drafted forward out of Eastern Michigan, Imani Bates. Now, we as Zips fans have had the pleasure of seeing Imani Bates in person several times. Those times did not go well, but I, 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 don't, I don't know if there is a big... Can, can we... Tr- how, how, can, how can I make this optimistic? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't see... I don't know. Else. All right, Mitch, you seem to have a lot to say, man. I'll throw it right to you. What are your thoughts on the Imani Bates draft pick in yeah. Cleveland? Here's Mitch Bates on Imani Bates. Bates um, on Bates crime, baby. <laughs> it's, it's going to be crime because here's the thing. I think for the pick that it was, if it was a first-round pick, I would be much more upset. But they got him at, what, 49? Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess evaluation-wise, it's not bad. But I've also had people telling me 
He's the real Wemby. How did he fall out of the first round? It's like he only got five <laughs> offers because they all thought he was just going to get drafted out of high school. Yeah, like maybe it's because he is extremely inconsistent. It's like there's there's no there's nothing to be concerned about. <laughs> this guy couldn't hack it at Memphis. Got moved down to Eastern Michigan. He's going to carry them to the MAC championship. No, and they, they finished dead last. Remember when he played in Akron and he had what? Three points and one temper tantrum. Yeah, like <laughs> one for 12 from the field. Yeah, one one tantrum for every made field goal. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's the next Wemby. That's a one-to-one ratio, baby. That is perfect. Yeah, this kid's inconsistent, and he, uh, don't get me wrong, he's shown flashes. I, I see the potential at certain times, but the kid's also a free-throw merchant and scores <laughs> from the line. Like James Harden style free throw merchant. It I like, like, say like end of bad. like end of Houston Rockets tenure James Harden free throw merchant. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's that bad, but I would say a lot of his scoring is going towards that, and his shot selection is less than preferable. Yeah, you know I think Cavs Twitter was really charged up about this. Yeah, and I really don't get why it's the 49th pick in the draft man he's gonna be with the cleveland charge most of the year he maybe be active for a couple games if we need a depth piece like i don't have much expectations for this kid i hope maybe a couple you know, like a year out of the spotlight for him would do him so much good mm-hmm. you know just re- get your feet under him you know yeah. settle into just being a professional athlete lana any thoughts from you on amani bates becoming the newest cavalier yeah, um, he like I thought it was funny too because like the Cavs tweeted like he's a scorer, a relentless scorer. Uh-huh. And I'm like run back uh, him scoring three points against uh, you know uh, us and yeah, Akron Zips. So but I do know we are the Akron Zips are really good. So I mean you're gonna have ups and downs right for games. However, he also had like only four points against like Toledo. But again, Toledo was a good. Oh, a then good there was team. that. And then again, the next time he played Toledo, he had like 27 straight points to close out the game yeah. or something like that. So. I mean, consistently inconsistent. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> that's the whole problem. We played Northern Illinois. He scored like four and six both times he played them. And then, and he, can just, then he can just have 30 against the best, like okay, arguably the best team in the MAC in Toledo. It's exactly. like none of it makes sense, man. So, you know, we already, we already brought up, he probably think he's going to spend most of the year in the G League. But, you know, do you think he could be a long term piece for this team, especially the Cavs that are so desperate to find a three? My thing is, I hope, uh, like, me not believing in him necessarily as a player doesn't mean that I don't hope that he would go on to average 15 and be that starting three with the shooting ability that the Cavs need. But as realistic, like, on realistic terms, I don't think that's the future option. Yeah, yeah, I, I I don't know, man. Someone compared it on Twitter to buying like a dollar scratch off. <laughs> it is an incredibly low risk. It's probably not going to pay out. But if you can win $5 off that scratch off, you're going to be happy. And I think <laughs> in terms of this, if he just averages like six points a game as like your eighth man, that's perfectly that's, fine. It's whatever. Yeah. I don't I don't know how to feel about it. But you know what? We'll get into some other NBA draft headlines. Akron's own point guard, Xavier Castaneda, signing a deal with the L.A. Clippers for the Summer League. Congratulations, X. Cannot wait to watch you in the Summer League. Your guys' thoughts on arguably Akron's best player getting a shot in the National Basketball Association. 
Yeah, very exciting. And yes. He, he's also just a really good player, so I'm happy for him. You can, you know, in July we will definitely be covering Castaneda Weekly uh, for Summer League, you know, mostly because we'll need content, but also because, like, <laughs> we want to build a great alumni network here with Akron and our athletes. You know, it's, it's going to be really exciting to see him. I'm definitely going to be paying a lot of attention to Summer League now, especially with, you know, Imani Bates, Wemby, and now Castaneda to watch. You know, I've got – you know, three or four guys that I really am excited to watch. So congratulations, X. Oh, hold on, but, oh. but where did Sincere sign again? Oh. Oh. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that didn't, that didn't happen. Okay. Man. Sorry, I, I just forgot. Brutal. I, no, okay. I really forgot, didn't you? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. You're a Solon guy, but, uh... <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, boy. But, All right, well... <laughs> congrats to X, though. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, one more topic about the NBA draft. Uh... To me, in a lot of Twitter, it seemed like it was a snooze fest. Now, I need to ask, like, did you guys find it boring? And if you did, how would you potentially fix the draft as just a broadcast in itself? Because I felt like it's really lost its luster over the years. Yeah, I felt it was boring. And mainly it's because, like, I don't really care, like, what the, like, Stephen A's of the world really like. I don't, I don't care about his takes, like, honestly. You don't watch college um, basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, only, like, Jay Billis was the only person on that broadcast that consistently watched college basketball and could actually, you know, give analysis instead of just, I'm going to yell in the microphone and be like, this, 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 this. Ah, yeah. Rawr. Yeah. yeah, so I, I think ways of, like, fixing um, the boringness. Like, me personally, I like um, hearing about, like, the interviews. So, like, if someone if someone got drafted, like, then you'd ask them, like, good questions or, like, yeah, right. or maybe ask them, like, their their come-up story and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, things that, pe- that I think people would find interesting, mm-hmm. especially if you didn't know about this player. And you might be like, oh, oh, they're from Cleveland, Ohio, or they're from Akron, Ohio. That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that draws in atten- like in views and things like that. And um, I, but yeah, I don't care like what some of the other people's like takes are or whatever. You don't need to like give them airtime. Like, please. Yeah, no, I get that completely. Yeah, uh, it's just it's it's such the the luster of the draft has completely fallen off, man. It's it's bad. It's bad. I don't know. We we need more people that actually have watched these prospects before. I don't that that's just my two cents on the matter, but uh, I don't know. Let's get into the next bit. Let's and any final draft thoughts from either of you before we get into the chaos of the trades recently. Oh yeah, quick thing. Um like did you find any any shockers about who didn't get drafted? Well, sincere carry, obviously, but like <laughs> I'm shocked. That blew my mind. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, not. Re- I know there are a bunch of guys from Gonzaga and Villanova, and a bunch of like the actual like a lot of like the centers from the college basketball season went undrafted. Uh, but am I gonna be surprised? Not really. It's a really it's a guard dominant sport now. So uh, I don't know. Any anything else before we get into uh, all these crazy trades this week? Um. Also excited for, like, um, when we see the Summer League matching up. Apparently, it's expected on July 7th at 9 p.m. Yeah, Yeah, at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Wemby is going to be facing off Brandon Miller. So, again, I hope Wemby goes off. That's going to be be fun to watch. Mm It's going to be really exciting. 
Yeah, and then on the same day, July 7th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Scoot is expected to face off against Eamon Thompson, who went fourth overall. Oh, yeah, the, to- oh, the Thompson twins past. went back-to-back. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, they mm-hmm. went four and five. All right, but yeah, let's get right into the crazy, crazy trades of this week. Uh, we're going to start with the Washington Wizards because I don't know what they're doing. Uh, It seems like, honestly, money laundering at this point. Uh, Let's get into their first thing. Uh, They traded Bradley Beal, Jordan Goodwin, and Isaiah Todd to the Phoenix Suns. In exchange, the Wizards received Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, and multiple second-round picks. Uh, So your guys' initial reactions to this trade, what does it do for the Suns, and how do you see them play? How do you see them in the West now? This trade for the Suns, uh, I see. I feel like I have a different view on it than a lot of people. I don't really like it that much, right? Okay, and it's simply because the problems for the Suns were not really addressed with this trade. And I know you added Bradley Beal, yeah, but but your lose, bench is still horrible. They don't have a bench. It's they have terrible. bodies that just sit there in the uniform that potentially have to play basketball. That's not a bench. Those are people. And who who is playing? Do you know who's playing point guard this year for the Suns? No. Because Beal doesn't really have the dribbling, ball-handling ability to be a point guard, yeah, I don't I, believe. I don't believe. And they traded Shaman, too. Like, who are they going to put in at the point guard? That, I think, it, I think it's going to be... Um, uh, Devin Booker, that's just going to bring it up. You think Booker's going to be playing point? Mm-hmm. I think they have to, but I don't I don't enjoy that as far as Booker guarding Steph Curry oh boy. for seven games. They mm-hmm. they don't have a bench. It's it's just it's bad. Yeah. It is bad. Man, I don't know. So how do you guys see them pretty much how how much should the lack of depth concern you with the Suns? Uh, all the way. I think, and I even said this in the WZIP group chat, I think it's a regular season great team. I think they're going to win a ton of games, top five in the West probably. But once you hit the playoffs and you start to realize that the starting lineup with KD and inconsistent Aiton yeah, if he's even on the team. Yeah, like would would you move him? Like honestly, yes. that's your only tradable piece. Get, it's, get him it's out. not. You got to get they're done. Any you got to get anything for that bench. Like oh, anything at all. I agree. The, who I can't even name a single player on their bench that's like worthy of me bringing up their name right now. I I don't I couldn't name one. <laughs> I, honestly, I'm I'm not trying to be funny. I'm like dead serious. Yeah, and so that's going to bring us on to the next trade involving the Washington Wizards. Because, uh, again, no idea what they're doing here. Uh, there's This was a three-team trade. Chris Stapps Porzingis is a Boston Celtic. Uh, in this deal, Boston received, uh, receives Chris Stapps Porzingis, a 2023 first-rounder, a, 2020, a 2024 first-rounder. Uh, the Wizards will receive Tyus Jones, Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala, and the 35th pick in Thursday's draft. And the Grizzlies receive Marcus Smart. Hmm. Now, the initial trade, uh, there was a three. T- so earlier in the day, there was a principal, a three-team deal with the Clippers instead of the Grizzlies. The original trade fell apart, which would have sent Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers. The Wizards would have received Marcus Morris, Amir Coffey, and the 30th pick from the Clippers and Gallinari from Boston. And the Celtics would have just received Porzingis. Uh, but Boston now gets two first-round picks on top of Kristaps Porzingis. 
Uh, how do they do it? How, how, do, how does this work? Yeah, that, that was a great trade for Boston, like, in my opinion. And, like, Chris Stapp's Porzingis on the Celtics, like, two through five, they are the tallest team in the league. Jalen Brown's, what, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six. Jason Tatum's 6'8", six, Porzingis is 6'10", Al Horford's 6'11", and they all can shoot. I think that's a finals-destined team. Like, but they don't have a point guard now, though. Marcus Smart's gone. Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, I, uh, I think Brogdon could be a starting point guard. I think he could. Not a good one, but he certainly could. I don't even think he needs to be. I just think he needs to pull Not his, screw up. Pull a Jimmy Garoppolo and just play just don't screw up. Pass the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pass the, exactly. But, yeah, I think Boston still finals destined. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Great trade, though. Yeah, man, I, I I, don't see how... They have to be the favorites in the East, right? They have to be? Well, yeah, I mean, don't say that to Logan. Don't say... Oh, <laughs> well, the birthday boy's not here to defend himself. And perfect. So, <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, honestly, what are your guys' expectations for Boston this season with Chris Stapps, Porzingis and just having, you know, two great wings and now... Two stretch bigs that can shoot, rebound, defend. Every, well, maybe not defend with Porzingis, but, like, who knows? Yeah, I mean, good for them. I'm not really a Celtics fan, though. Like, I, I just don't like them. Yeah, the city of Boston has too much success. So, I would, again, I don't mind seeing them suffer. But, like, again, I have to be objective here. This team is so freaking good on yeah. paper. It's, it's, a really it's good insane. Team. And, you know, that's going to bring us to our Around the Roo, where we bring the show to you. After this, you'll have a poll on our Twitter at Z88 Sports, and we're going to ask, who is your favorite to win the East? Is it the Celtics? Is it the Heat again? Or any other team you'd heart desires? Yeah, how about Cavs? Cavs. We'll put Cavs as an, we'll put Cavs as an <laughs> option. We'll do Celtics, Heat, and other. Celtics, Heat, Cavs, other. All right. Nice. Sound good. Look for that around 1 p.m. after the show. But, guys... I want to talk about Marcus Smart going to Memphis. Uh, I think this was an incredibly underrated move in all of this. I think Memphis now has a guy that they thought Dylan Brooks was. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, I, I think he's going to keep them in contention with, without John Morant in the West. I think this is a really, really good trade for them, low-key. Yeah, they got rid of the fake Marcus Smart and got the real one, so... That's how I see it. Get Dylan Brooks out of there. And defense, I think the Grizzlies are a very good defensive team. I think they already were. Well, they they were very good, man. But now they have Marcus Smart, too. I mean, like, that's like top five. That's going to be one of the best backcourts defensively in the West. Like, again, the West is really weak. They were the two seed in there last year before, you know, they had to play LeBron. Right. But, like... Man, they could they they could make a run in the regular season, man. I think I don't think that John Morant suspension is going to be as crippling as it, as it was going to be earlier in the week. Nope, and they're getting Stephen Adams back, so that's yeah, all their rebounds coming back in one piece. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think this Grizzlies team could get two three seed again. Yeah, all right, and then let's go back to uh, the Washington Wizards yet again because. Apparently, it's just a fire sale in D.C. So, the Wizards sent Chris Paul to the Golden State Warriors. In this trade, the Wizards received Jordan Poole, a 2030 first-round pick. Uh, That player is currently in the sixth grade. Uh, A 2027 second-round pick. 
and the Warriors receive uh, Chris Paul. So, again, I got I don't understand this trade from any side. So, first thing I'll ask is, how do you guys see Chris Paul playing out in Golden State? Uh, I like it more than other people do. I yeah. think no. Chris Paul. You don't like it? No. Why not? Why not? It's, like, awful, and, like, I just feel like we're getting to the point in the league where people are just ring-chasing. Like, I, I feel like this well, is, like... Chris Paul couldn't control that. I don't think he's... Like, I don't I don't think he just demanded, hey, trade me for a mediocre guard right now. Like, I don't... I don't know. It just seems... I, he got seems there. quite calculated. He I got there know. for two days and was gone. I don't, I don't know how much I can, like, put that on him. Yeah, I figured he was going to get traded out of there anyway. All I heard was buyout or immediate trade after received for Washington, but I don't think it's that bad for Golden State, but for the Wizards, uh what's what's the game plan? Yeah, so let's let's <laughs> well, talk about you're this. Like, you're just like not not gonna say anything about Jordan Poole. Like I mean maybe this will be his opportunity to like well, be be like the 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 go to guy. Well we we all know how like, you know, there's that running joke, Jordan Poole does well when there are uh, <laughs> a bunch of his lady friends in the stands. How many of them are going to Washington? Well, he's going to have, like, politicians there now. <laughs> yeah, that, that screams, have, I'm going to ball out now. They'll have former Speaker Pelosi courtside to be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm dropping 30 tonight. Look, I, I think Jordan Poole is finally going to have the chance to be a primary option on a team. But how far does that take you? At the end of the day. If Bradley Beal couldn't get you past the 11 <laughs> seed, what perfect. does inconsistent Bradley Beal get you? <laughs> like, <laughs> with less pieces. With like less pieces. Less... Like, so we'll go back to the Warriors bit in a, in a second here. But um, the Wizards turned Bradley Beal, Chris Tapps Porzingis, Chris Paul, and a first-round pick into Jordan Poole, a 20-30 first-round pick, Tyus Jones, Landry Shamit, Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala, and multiple second-round picks. What are they doing? Mm. I just named off four incredible trade assets, and the second-best thing they got from that was Landry Shamit. Yeah. I mean, I let, Tyus Jones is all right. Yeah, same thing with yeah, Gallinari. He, well, he's, Gallinari's, uh, I don't really like Gallinari. But, like... A lot of people, they say, what is D.C. doing a lot? And they're talking about our nation's politics. Not I'm looking Right now, I'm looking at Washington, D.C. with the Wizards saying, what the heck is going on? None of it makes sense. None of it. Yeah, even for to, like, start a rebuild, like, that's... You could have got so much more like, for Bradley Beal and Chris Stapps Porzingis. Why were the Celtics the ones getting first round picks? If Boston got Porzingis in two first round picks after this, Washington had three very desirable assets and ends up with a, a, a sixth grader, <laughs> Tyus Jones, and Jordan Poole. Can't forget Landry Shamit. Yeah, and Landry. Yeah, okay. ever. I just. I just, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. All right, let's go back to Jordan Poole's old team, the Golden State Warriors. How do you guys see him and Curry playing together? Like, Chris Paul has never come off the bench in his career. Do you think that starts now? Um, I heard they might move Clay to the three and put... You're going to have three defensive liabilities of the one... Exactly. Th three undersized guards. Well, okay, two undersized guards. 
and then Clay Thompson off a bad Achilles and ACL at the small forward. I, that's not what I would do. That personally. is that is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I'm putting Chris Paul on the bench for the first time in his career. I think it's needed and it could be humbling. You know, we saw like Westbrook be extremely inconsistent until they had him coming off the bench, and then it was like, oh, Westbrook's actually still pretty good. Like, oh, Westbrook's yeah. Like I yeah, think, but like that I don't could... think I don't think Chris Paul was bad though. I mean, like he got hurt in the playoffs, but like I don't think in the first round he was all that bad i think when no. he played against denver he was he was he was efficient like i just I think it's I, a good i don't know what they do man i honestly don't know if chris paul at this age is an upgrade over jordan Poole. maybe it is for really? like team well maybe for team dynamics because i guess everybody hated jordan Poole, mainly draymond <laughs> green but uh <laughs> i i don't know man yeah i i think he'll be good off the bench if that does happen I, I do agree, though, that the defense on this team... It's not going to exist. It's going to be so bad. It, it's not going to... Who's their center currently? Kavon Looney. Oh, my goodness. I like Looney. I, 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 like, I do, right. too, man. But, like, when you have four slow old guards playing your one through three and maybe a 34-year-old Draymond if he comes back, it's like mm-hmm. Looney and the Toons. It is the Looney Toons <laughs> on defense in that team. Like... I like Wiggins, though. Oh, I forgot Andrew Wiggins was yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, I knew I was forgetting somebody. Okay, yeah, you can move move Clay to the bench or something. Like, that's okay. I'm fine with that. That's, he that's, not the, that's not the end of the world. Not the end of the world, I guess, but just <laughs> Wiggins fixes everything. How the mighty have fallen. How the mighty have fallen. It's sad. All right. One of the last questions I'm going to ask you guys today. Who is your winner of all of this week's trade chaos i think the losers obviously the washington wizards because like i said probably money laundering like there is no other way to explain just completely selling off for incredible assets and getting and getting nothing in return so yeah i don't know i think the wizards they they just maybe just want to start over so just well, they're, they're starting just over and then there's like not helping yourself start at all yeah, but um, in terms of winners, I unfortunately do have to go with the Celtics. Um, it's good look for them, and we'll see how it turns out. Yeah. Mitch, your winner. Yeah, I think the obvious answer is the Boston Celtics. They fixed an area that they needed improvement in, and they did lose Marcus Smart, which is going to hurt, and they're going to have to focus on guards for free agency, but I think overall they're the winner. Yeah, again, I agree with Boston, but I I think the Marcus Smart move is incredibly, incredibly underrated. I like, again, I know Celtics Twitter. I have a buddy of mine that's a Celtics fan, dude. He was livid that they lost Marcus Smart. Like, people were mad, man. Like, they got Chris Tapps Porzingis in two firsts, and a lot of Celtics fans were like, we lost this trade. We're cooked. The season's over. I guess they just, I guess they think the team is just really soft and like Marcus Smart was like the one like actual like tough guy leader role on that team. I can see that. Again, like I I think this really is going to work out for Memphis from like a culture standpoint. Do we start Grizzly culture with Marcus Smart? <laughs> Grizzly culture. Oh boy, that that does not sound good. That <laughs> doesn't. Nobody doesn't nobody ever clip that. That's. <laughs> Wow, Logan, I apologize for that. That was a low blow on your birthday. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all 
All right, and we uh, one more thing. We touched on this guy a bit earlier. Draymond Green earlier this week opted out of his $27.6 million player option to become an unrestricted free agent. Draymond Green's 33 years old and a, like I said, free agent. Uh, real quick, where do you guys think he plays this year? You think he goes back to Golden State now that Jordan Poole's off the team? Honestly, I don't care. I do not like Draymond Green at all. He is literally a crotch kicker um, in case people forgot. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so oh, boy. If you want to know what a low blow is, that, that's what wow. a low blow is. <laughs> so, oh, boy. So, I mean, I, I don't care. I, he's not really that good, in my opinion. I take it you and, wouldn't want him on the Cavs. No, heck okay. no. No. Okay. I think Draymond opted out to ease the salary cap situation for the Warriors, and he's going to go back. And it's, I, I feel like if Draymond leaves the Warriors, that team is in some really deep trouble because yeah, they're, they're as cooked. old as he is, he is their defensive piece right now. Well, he is their quote-unquote like culture. Like he's, right. you know, honestly. Trading Jordan Poole might have saved that team if he goes back. Yeah, I I agree with that. And the Washington Wizards pumped life back into the Warriors dynasty. You know where he should go, though, if he... The Mavericks. Dallas is a good one, too. I was going to say Houston. I feel like Houston's... With Ime Udoka, yes. With Ime Udoka and that young core, Mm -hmm. now that I think about it, yeah. Yeah, I I just think that'd be a real culture stamp for Houston. I think that's what they need right now. Oh, I would agree with that completely. Uh, And, you know, that's going to pretty much wrap things up. It's 12.59 on the dot. Uh, Any final thoughts from all of you guys? Um, I would just say that it's been a fun segment today, and obviously, go Zips. Uh, Shout out to X again for the Clippers deal that's major. Yes, yes, yes. And go Browns. Yeah. Lon, anything from you? <laughs> Since you already said the go Browns, um, yeah, thank God I don't have to say it. Much appreciated. <laughs> and, um, yeah, go Zips, go Cavs, go Guardians. And um, shout out to uh, Logan. It's his birthday again, so happy birthday. And um, yeah. just quick thing for the Swifties. Matt Pramuka went to the yes, I did. Taylor Swift concert. I did. So... Do you want to update anyone? Oh, it was was incredible. I got to get off the air in a few seconds here. So, Logan, happy birthday. Again, my name is Matt Permuk. 